Neve solicitors are proud to sponsor the parent show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution. A warm welcome to the Parents Show on Radio Verlum 92.6 FM. I'm Lydia Elcoury. And I'm Shirley Heyman. So Shirley, tell us what we're going to be chatting about on the show tonight. Okay, Lydia, so we've taken a theme that we think is really going to interest women out there and um, we've called it the Juggling Act, the woman's informed choice or not to juggle work and parenthood. So yeah. it's, I mean, it's, it becomes a topic before you even have kids, isn't it? You've got yeah. a perspective before you have kids and then when you have kids, you get the reality check. Yep. And, it, and it is, it's an important topic to talk about because as soon as you start talking about the juggling act, you, you start talking about guilt, yep. about well-being, everybody's well-being, mum's mm-hmm. being stretched too far. Yeah. Did you know, Lydia, that the Office for National Statistics, um, their figures reveal that back in 1971, 52% of women aged 16 to 64 were working out of the home. So 50%. But then we look at the figures for March 16, um, and it's risen to 70% of women aged 16 to 64 are now in the UK workforce. And do you think that is mainly because women are trying to have their cake and eat it they want to be present in their children's lives they but they want to keep their brain going so they're setting up businesses and from mm. from their own home i wonder if that's what it is yeah maybe i mean it's a 20 percent rise isn't it in, in women working uh whilst being mums yeah. in the last 40 years but i know the guests that we've got on the show in this episode are going to help us explore that and actually in all cases have done it or are doing it themselves yeah it's brilliant we've got a great selection tonight so um, in the studio with us, we're going to have Tina Batchelor. We do have Tina Batchelor. Tina is a local mum. And she, in fact, it was her who got us thinking about this topic initially when she posted something on a Facebook site. But um, we'll let her tell you that story. It's interesting. Then we've also got with us Emma Gross. Emma is a um, lawyer from a uh, law for, for firm just down the road from us. And Emma herself is a working mum, a two-year-old, a partner, a husband that works long hours. So, you know, she's living the dream, if we want to call that. But she's, she's got lots of uh, legal facts to help uh, us dis- explore the subject. Then we're going to speak on the phone to Diana Parks. And um, Diana's a really wise woman. She heads up a unique org- organisation and she's called it the Women's Sat Nerve to Success. And, um, yeah, really tune into that because she's also got something going on at the moment, which is a national online survey of working women in the UK. So I want Diana to talk to us about that. And I love her motto, Shirley. Yeah. It's understand, dare and thrive. Mm. It's awesome. It's very yeah. inspirational. Yeah, love that verb, thrive. Mm. Not just manage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thrive. Um, and then finally, we're going to be talking to Sally Dillian and Sally again, you know, another mum that's juggled parenthood, took a career break. She came back in and found it had an effect on um, her career and she's had to rethink how she does her career and now it's flourishing again, but she's got good experiences and also has set up a company. So 
um, yeah, lots of really wise experts. That's it. And we're coming at it from every angle this evening. So um, if you've got any questions or if you've got any points of view, uh, go to our Facebook page, The Parents Show, and share your thoughts with us. Ask questions, interact. We'd love to um, have a conversation with you listening at home at the same time. So let's kick off with our first guest this evening, Shirley. So I want to welcome Tina to the studio. Tina, hey. Hello. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. Um, you are the reason for this show. No, no. <laughs> you are the inspiration, shall I say. Tina, can you tell us about that Facebook post? I know it was a while ago now, but tell us about the story, a little bit of context. Yeah, so it was last Easter. Um, I have two small children. At that time, one of them was in nursery full-time, and my oldest child had not long started school. It was Easter holidays, and for the first real time in my working life, I'd had a real challenge in terms of childcare. Um, my usual childminder wasn't available, and I'd taken the decision that I would uh, take my little girl down to my parents for a few days um, so that she could stay with them. I had work commitments, which meant I couldn't um, take the time off. Um, we had it all planned. We talked about it a lot. Um, my little girl was very excited. But the moment it came to leaving my parents' house, um, my little girl really wasn't very happy, actually very distressed. And I ended up bringing her home with me and having to sort out other childcare arrangements, um, which felt like a huge step backwards mm. uh, and really challenged me for sort of the first time it, it, since she'd started school in terms of that uh, working life balance. And the mother's guilt really played on me very hard. Yeah. Um, how are you managing today you know tell us where are you now with the juggling act so where i'm at now with the juggling act um generally when it works well it works really well and i don't even think twice about it i have a good support network around me i have uh, you know a childminder for my children before and after school i have a husband who can flex his hours as well my employer is is fabulously supportive that yes uh, nearly 60 percent of women um 60 percent of people in leadership positions in the company are women so they're massively supportive they give me flexibility it generally works well the challenge comes when something falls down my childminder isn't available mm -hmm. at the last minute or uh, a child is poorly or i have to go away with work and something that throws things out of kilter is when you that sort of guilt kicks in again and tell us what is your backup plan or what do you what do you do when a child is sick and how do you manage it and that's when a true true test of an employer isn't it are they do they continue to be supportive or is there a bit of eye rolling I've never experienced any eye rolling my employer is fabulously supportive I think um, I'm well established within the company and they understand that if I um, need to take some take some time back because my child is poorly uh, I will make that time up in the evenings or um, there, there are general workarounds that we can do I'm quite fortunate in the fact that my children aren't poorly children touch wood uh, so I haven't really had a huge amount of challenge from that perspective um, but like I said earlier, if I need to leave a little bit early because my childminder isn't available, I'm generally able to do that. The knock-on impact is that I then work into the evening to make up the time. Um, and, you know, or I have to call in um, backup childminders or neighbours. And actually, since starting school, there's a great support network of other mm. mums um, at school that I've really found a massive support mm. in terms of being able to call people at the last minute who can pick up my child if needs be. That's fantastic. And that's, I mean, one big plus, I think, from having children, you know, the kind of whole proximity rule for schools is because you, you are part of a community and there are lots of people on your doorstep 29 probably in each of your kids' classes who you could call on 
you know, which is which is fantastic, isn't it, really? But that's so heartening to hear that, Tina. It's, it's mm. great news. And I wish every employer was like yours. <laughs> Tina, what about colleagues, like particularly, say, male colleagues at work, at work or female colleagues who don't have children or don't have children they need to be there for? Are they supportive when, you know, or, or do you find that can be awkward at times if you're having to leave the office or you can't be there for a meeting? Again, I come from an employer that is very supportive and I'm really lucky in the fact that my boss has children of his own and he completely sees the juggle that has to happen uh, just to make family life happen so he's massively supportive I haven't really experienced any eye rolling Um, all of my team I I manage a team of three people they have children so they equally have demands and I think they respect the fact that I'm flexible with them when they need to shoot to pick up kids from nursery at the last minute or um, because I'm in in the same position and I want them to have respect for me that if I need to leave as well so um, there's a mutual understanding within our team and it works really well. We were talking before we came on air about we think potentially that Lydia that there's maybe a shift in men's views and willingness to engage in the parenting role now and so for tina she was saying and please correct me tina if i'm wrong but your your husband changed his work didn't he so that he could make sure he did a school drop-off he didn't have to do it but he was willing to do that is that right yeah so we um when when my little girl first started at school we had breakfast club um and i I don't work on a monday so i drop my little girl at school on a monday and i pick her up on a monday and i took the decision that i was also going to drop her at school in class on a friday and I suggested to my husband that he might like to do the same one day a week. Initially, the response was quite frosty in terms of his his position was, well, I have meetings that I have to get into work for. Actually, he went away and thought about it very unprompted by me uh, and came back and ha- we had a discussion about the fact that he really would like to drop our little girl in class once a week um, rather than at the door of a breakfast club. Mm. Um, and they both get a huge amount of value from it. And do you know what? No one batters an eyelid that he gets into work at half past nine one day a week. It really doesn't make a difference. He makes up the hours throughout mm. the course of the week anyway so um fantastic and it's it's i have to say many of the mums and dads that i know don't have the, the the same kind of experience and ironically a lot of a lot a lot of the barriers are with bosses who are female who are older and who didn't have support so their attitude quite frequently i can think of a number of friends of mine they didn't have that kind of support. They didn't know allowances were made for them. So their attitude is, I managed it, you can manage mm. it. Which is, I mean, it's kind of cruel, isn't it? You know, because uh, you want your, your employees to be happy at the workplace too, don't you? You can't have, a, you can't have an organisation with a large female workforce that isn't supportive of a family environment. Yeah. Um, and again, I've said previously, but I'm really lucky I work for a company that is so supportive. Yeah. I think it'd be very different if I worked in a sector that was perhaps more male-dominated. There may be a different, different perspective on, on parents and mothers with children. Let, let's bring in Emma now, who's also in the studio. Evening, Emma. Evening. Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be here. You're very welcome. So, Emma, you're a lawyer. Your husband's a doctor. You've got a two-year-old. My goodness, you must be juggling. Does it have an, an emotional toll? You know, does it take a toll on you? Oh, gosh, absolutely. Um, life is one big juggle or one big balance, as they say, and it's just a matter of keeping all those balls in the air and not dropping anything. Um, 
my husband is fantastic and I don't think I could do it without him. Right. My employer is equally so understanding and so flexible, which makes it so much easier. And to be honest, I have to say, I don't think I could do it without the help and support I've had from my parents and in-laws. I have so much respect and praise for mothers that are doing it without the help of mm. families to support them. I mean, I rely on my parents and my in-laws for childcare support, to do drop-offs and pick-ups from nursery. Um, and I, I don't think I could do it without them. But yeah, it is it is very difficult to hold down a career and be a mum. And absolutely, you find yourself questioning, am I doing the right thing, leaving my son at nursery? Am I doing the right thing, leaving him with his grandparents? Should I be spending this time at work? But then equally, on my one day off a week, I'm sitting at home thinking, well, my colleagues are picking up all the slack. <laughs> I'm watching Teletubbies and playing <laughs> with building blocks at home. Is it really fair? And am I doing myself any favours in my career? And yeah, it's definitely a balancing act. Mm. Mm. I mean, part of your work as a lawyer um, is helping women to, um, oh, I don't know if it's just women, probably women and men, but to get that employer-employee relationship stable and harmonious and, you know, hopefully that there are no legal issues that they need to take outside the company to someone like you. Do you have any tips or any experiences that you could share? You know, how does a working woman with a young child make sure she keeps that good relationship with her employer? What do you need to do? I think, to be honest, that old age saying, it's good to talk, really rings true. I think if you've got a problem, the best thing to do is to actually have a chat with your employer and let them know that you are facing challenges, that you're anxious about returning to work, that you're struggling, coping with um, childcare and right. work. And, and, and I do think nowadays employers are so much more likely to make allowances and really offer that level of flexibility. I mean, recently in the papers we've been hearing about... Ernst & Young and AstraZeneca, two top 100 companies as voted by um, Working Mother magazine. And they've won awards for actually helping those mothers back to work. They've been offering mentoring schemes. They've, in fact, one of them was even offering a lactation consultant <laughs> actually at work just to make sure the mothers are there breastfeeding so they're not missing out on anything. I mean, it's fabulous when you think about what these employers are now offering their women mm. and actually how valued we as working mums are in society. I think it's something mums often forget just how valuable we are. And I think you just really need to ask because there is so much flexibility out there. And we've got so many more rights than we ever used to. We've got things like flexible working requests, and it's so important to make them. I mean, whilst we can't guarantee that employers are absolutely going to say, yeah, I'm happy for you to go down to three days a week. You know, if you don't ask, you don't get. So I would always advise people to ask. And you've also got now shared parental leave, which is a new concept that's sort of just about taking off the ground at the moment. Um, unfortunately, only in about one in every hundred men, husbands, partners, etc., are actually taking the government up on it. What it really is, is dividing the maternity entitlement between the parents. And it allows the mums to go back to work earlier by sharing that maternity leave with their other halves. I can't honestly say my husband would be all too enthralled with it. But having said that, he's a really hands-on dad. Um, and I appreciate all the support that I have at the moment. It's it's stigmatised still, isn't it? I oh mean, God, it, so it, much! I, it, unfortunately, it's seen uh, almost as a weakness in men if they're happy to take half the the leave and and spend it at home with their children, which is so unfortunate because actually it's a golden opportunity to to get to bond with your child at a critical point. You Absolutely, know, it is such a shame. But you're right about coming up and 
speaking about and speaking up and asking for things because the other problem is if you keep a lid on it all and everybody keeps a lid on it then these expectations from others get higher and higher without a reality check and you need a reality check because you know everybody doesn't I mean it's fantastic having grandparent support um, but not everybody has that you know and when the childminder finishes at 5.30 or 6 you have to pick up your child and that's it you know but I think brilliant suggestion keep you've got to just keep talking absolutely to keep those lines of communication open is really paramount in in the employee employer relationship and I think a lot of working mums would be surprised at just how open to flexible arrangements employers will actually be I mean from a personal experience um SA Law actually wanted me to work five days a week and I said look I've got a two-year-old son my husband's a doctor works really long hours I really need some time with my son you know just to be at home and in the end they, they said yeah you know what do four days and as long as you can show them that you're a valued member of the team I think most employers would be happy to allow you that flexibility. Are there any laws that that um, that exist that mean that employee employers have to offer a modicum of flexibility? There's no law that says they have to offer it, but they absolutely 100% have to consider it. And I think that's really important because if you're asking an employer to consider offering you that level of flexibility by going away and considering it, they actually have to think, well, look, is this a legitimate request? Is this going to be legitimate for my business? And I think they'll find in this modern day and age, especially with remote access, mobile phones, emails, etc., that it is so easy just to log on when you're at home and be available and be contactable. Um, Emma, I was reading in the press just about a week ago about two women who wanted to do uh, a part-time job. They wanted to get back in. I I think they were um, lawyers, actually. And so they found the job they wanted and then they went for it as a duo kind of thing and said they'd share it and they got it. It sounded really exciting. Such a great idea. They're really looking into different types of working arrangements that are manageable and that is just so important to think about what is manageable for us as working mums. And absolutely, job sharing is one of those, one of those wonderful things that we can do. Why not? Mm. I mean, I'm in education and it's kind of frowned upon a little bit. It has to happen because, again, lots of women are teachers and lots of women want to go and have babies, but you come back and you hear the parents complaining, oh, we've got a job share, you know, they don't do a good handover. I mean, it's hard. I've never done it myself, but I, I hear people say it's a hard thing to do, particularly in teaching. I don't know if it's different, maybe, if you were a lawyer, do you think? Uh, look, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure there are difficult aspects to every type of job share, but I think if you can agree to make it work between you and really work together, then you can make anything work. I mean, I, we're all very determined women. Yes. And I think that's important. I, I agree completely. And I think you actually have a responsibility as a job share to go above and beyond and do whatever it needs to, to make it work because it is an excellent opportunity and by not making that communication line work you're kind of letting the system down and it makes it harder for other mm-hmm. women to do it because like you say it's stigmatised or people go oh they don't communicate they don't do a proper handover they should do a proper mm-hmm. handover mm-hmm. you know and they there should be overlap time and it should be facilitated like I think at mm-hmm. every point with teachers who job share for example you know that they should spend at least two to three hours a week in the classroom together at Mm. the same time or a a couple of hours so that they you know they're having the same experience i guess it's budget driven isn't it lydia yeah but i mean if it was me i would i would want to know 
I'd yeah. want to, or I'd want to have an excellent system of communication in place. You know, it's it's important. I wanted to ask both of you actually because you're both doing part time, although you know a lot of part time. Are you able to absolutely leave work behind you when you're p- with the children and doing, you know, more family and parent-based activities and thinking? Tina? In a word, no. Right. Um, as Emma mentioned earlier, I think in a world where we're much more connected, um, it's very easy to check an iPhone, yeah. check a message, uh, then you get embroiled in an email and just respond very quickly. Yeah. Um, I have Mondays at home with my little girl and will continue to do so until she goes to school in September. Um, and generally, if I'm an ac- at an activity with her, I'm not looking at my phone. But if we're at home and she's entertained with the television or busy playing, I will generally sneak a look at my phone, check to see whether any of my team have emailed me or contacted me with any questions, um, partly so that I can keep on top of my workload for when I go back the next day. Um, I guess it comes down to women's discipline. Yeah. Uh, And I'm not particularly good at being very defined with my boundaries. That's definitely a learning for me. What about you, Emma? Oh, I absolutely agree with Tina. Um, When I'm out and about, there is that every temptation to keep checking the mobile phone, the emails. But I've also got at the back of my head the idea that I have very limited time with my little boy. He's Mm -hmm. just two. That time is so precious. And you really do have to strike a balance. It's interesting because there's recently been quite a few debates on Facebook about mums being out with their kids and being on their phones all the time. And I see it all the time, especially on that facebook site babies 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 that the world seems to be on and uh, so many mums saying how can you sit there with your kids just being on your phone and it's so difficult because on the one hand you want to answer those emails that are oh so important and on the other hand you want to laugh with your child and you do just have to strike that balance and it is just so difficult and i presume it would be the same for the dad doing that you know at the park on his day off or whatever he's doing or going to baby gym class that he's going to want to look at his emails. It's not a woman thing, or do you think it is, Tina? I think we have a very di- different dynamic in our family. My my husband doesn't have a work phone, oh. so he only accesses his emails through his laptop. Now, he'll log on in the evening once the kids are in bed, but actually at, on a weekend or on a day off with the kids, he's actually fully present with the children. Um, which is a stark learning to me as well. <laughs> Interestingly, actually, last year when we went on holiday, for the first time in a very long time, I turned my work emails off and it was very liberating. Yeah. And actually, I didn't want to turn them back on at yeah. the end of the week when we came back from holiday. Well, turning off your emails is a wonderful thing, but you do often get that guilt and that feeling of, am I missing out? What am I missing out on? And me personally, I, I think I'm quite competitive in nature. And I feel that if I'm not there quick and to pick up on a new client and someone else in the team's going to get it, I find that I'm constantly on tenterhooks thinking, do I need to be checking my phone? And I shouldn't be. And I know that. And I do feel guilty when I do it. And it really is just about striking that balance. And I suppose learning just to let go. Mm, exactly and learning to let go in my experience took me 30 years of working (laughs) and even now I can feel myself you know going back as a teacher checking stuff at night responding to things on a Sunday to parents when they've emailed and it's hard Lydia I guess you're the same are you with in your working life well that's it you don't want to look unprofessional and you don't want to be out of the loop you want to appear on top of things and that's the only way to do it really or the alternative is you know before everybody else starts working get in a half an hour early or you know or or something like that to be on top of it Mm. but it it is a juggle it is Mm. absolutely Mm. um, but we're all choosing to do it aren't we well that's it or trying to make it 
work for ourselves. Like I have to say, um, I think you're so lucky with the grandparent option. People I know that are the most relaxed have the grandparents around because it's family and you know any time spent with them is is it's yeah it's money in the bank isn't it I, I do appreciate i am so lucky i think though what started to really i suppose make me feel slightly saddened by it all is that when i now take him away from his nana or his grandma um he sobs because he wants to be with them yeah. and it's awful feeling it sort of breaks a little bit of your heart yeah. because you think does my son want to spend more time with his nana and his grandma than he does with his own mum? I mean, I suppose it's an age thing, but it, but it definitely does get me feeling sad and guilty. There's nothing worse as well in, in terms of that mother's guilt when your child calls you by their childminder's name. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly a sign your child is spending too long with their childminder or having too much fun with their childminder. Right, I think we're going to take a little break there, give our guests a rest. Thank you so much, both of you. And we'll get our next guest on the phone. That's right. And carry on the discussion. But we would love to bring you back in yeah. at the end to have a little bit of roundup. So listen carefully to our lovely next few guests and then we'll come back to you. You're listening to The Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6. If you've just tuned in or you've, uh, you're listening to the podcast... The discussion in this episode is all about mother's guilt, juggling, working, careers, all that kind of thing. We've heard from two women who are living the dream, so to speak. They're doing it. Now, we'd like to talk to Diana Parks on the phone. Diana, welcome. Good evening. Hi. Good evening. Thank you very much for joining us. Now, Diana, you have um, done it, haven't you? You tell, Tell us your story, would you? My story? Um, okay, well, I've had a, a 20-year corporate career. I've worked for Mars, Coca-Cola, Carlsberg, um, became a, a management consultant. I have to say, all, all along the way, it was much to my surprise that I kept getting promoted and getting on and going up. Um, and, um, however, um, on two occasions, I found myself in a unique position to be eligible for a, a board role. Um, and on both occasions, they went to um, a white gentleman that didn't appear to have any qualifications for the job. Right. Um, and um, I decided on, on the second occasion that um, I had had enough and needed to set up on my own and created my own coaching and consulting business and um, found myself coaching quite a number of women in what I'd describe as early leadership positions and I was listening to their stories and the, the challenges that they faced and, and I was joining the dots in terms of the themes that were coming through and thinking back on my career and the challenges that I had and I thought this, I thought it was just me mm-hmm. that was experiencing these problems. I thought when I got bounced off that board role it was just that I wasn't as good as perhaps I'd got to think I was. Um, and in, in listening to these women, I thought, you know what, um, these are common problems, and because they're facing them in isolation, um, these women are unable to see that this isn't about them, um, and it's, it's about characteristics of um, being a, a rare um, profile of individual in, in a new community. So actually being a woman um, and being um, in, in a f- 
a, a lesser proportion than the rest of the community meant that um, it has all sorts of implications psychologically um, on the behavior of those around you and on, on your beliefs as well. Yeah. And I decided that um, given that I'd managed to deliver some big things in my career that made a big impact on bottom line or market share, that what I wanted to do was to use those skills, that experience and capability to actually identify what women could do um, in their own careers to make a difference, to enable them to get the work they want, the rewards, the recognition, the support. Um, so I then have, um, I set out on um, what's actually become a crazy journey, really, <laughs> to identify what are um, the strategic enablers of success for women. Um, and that's involved interviewing about 45, 50 women who've made it to the top of all sorts of fields and functions so that I could I could distill down what they they did in common that enabled them to get on and get through. Um, but ironically, I also came across um, issues that they hadn't successfully confronted, such as um, I think only two or three of them had ever asked for a pay rise or a promotion. Um, and if we if we want to, to ask things about you know, why is there a gender pay gap, well, between 48 and 75% of the gender pay gap isn't accounted for. And for sure, um, if we're not asking for more money, then no, in a commercial arena, nobody's going to hand mm -hmm. out. So it said to me, there's something going on here that we can address ourselves. So then I decided to go do something crazy, which is going to do a psychology degree yeah. to really get to the root causes. What is going on? Why aren't we asking for what we should have? Um, and why aren't we being heard um, when we do ask? So, so it's been a it's been a long old journey, um, but it's enabled me to to identify um, probably the twenty most potent strategic enablers of success, and, and one of them. Um, is how you manage what I call your home front um, because we, we do need to look at our domestic situation and domestic responsibilities strategically actually mm. in order to navigate our way through and, and ensure that um, our careers and our experience as a parent is as fulfilling as it is for our partner um, and I was fascinated to hear, hear your conversation earlier on. Um, I think, Lydia, you were saying that um, it's a topic that comes up, jug the juggling, it comes up before you even have children. And um, there's actually analysis to say that one of, the th one of the influences on the gender pay gap is that women, before they have children, sometimes before they even have partners, um, long-term partners who they think about children with, look at opportunities that come their way, promotions um, and so forth, and think, now if I go for that and then I have a child, that might be a bit awkward in yeah. terms of how I manage my childcare. And then they don't go for that promotion. And then they start slipping behind. And then they start finding themselves doing the work that's not as stimulating as it could be if they'd pushed themselves forward. And then you get to a situation where um, maybe you, you then do have a child and you're actually doing work that isn't as fulfilling as it could have been if 
you pushed yourself for the or gone for the opportunities that came up and therefore child comes along work's not great and you think well i might as well i might as well go home and and do that so there are some fascinating things that that um go on as we make assumptions um about what our roles are going to be in the future and and again listening to listening to the language um and the conversation that that you've been having it was very interesting to note when where fathers weren't coming into the debate so when you were talking about the backup plan um the question wasn't um how did the two of you manage your backup plan what's his part of the backup plan what's yours the first question was how does your employer respond um so so i it, it, it's fascinating to look at yeah. where do dads fit in where do we in society assume they they fit from from the earliest stage which which may have implications when we do get into relationships and do have children about um how they slip back into the um into the shadows when actually we need them to be right there as an equal partner um at home as well as you know them them having a full fulfilling career as well you're you're absolutely right uh, diana when you pointed out i think my god it's it's just not the first thing that we're thinking about mm. so but do you think that shared parental leave if it could if it could get more uh, kind of more widespread could start to unpick that because if dads are involved more from the very beginning that's the way to start the pattern it is i mean um i I know in scandinavia they've had it for a lot longer um and they've struggled to get to get fathers to take take up the opportunity um so i i think it starts starts way back before um children come along i mean when i do seminars and talks um i did one recently at university talking talking to um undergraduates and say you know when you meet somebody on the dance floor and you look across and your eyes meet don't let your romance get get um cloud your judgment about do not start making making the breakfast ironing his clothes and getting yourself into a domestic routine that means you get you develop habits which engage you into what I would call the continuous domestic tasks. So where he's changing the light bulbs and mowing the lawn, but you're mm-hmm. having to do the cooking, the cleaning, the picking the kids up, the supervising the homework and so on. It's, it's, we have to start much earlier. Um, yeah. And there's a lot, there's so much to unpick in society about what's communicated I was, I was listening to a horrific um i think it was a tesco advert a couple of days ago i think it was nana's soup and this the advert was saying nana's um making little tommy a lovely bowl of soup because he's not very well and mummy's had to go to work and there's simply no mention of of anybody else present that is there's not a grandpa there's not a dad um and this is everywhere i mean it might because it's what i do for a living i hear it and spot it every day 
um, and I know Shirley, I guess in in, in your field of work, mm. um, you see it in children's books. Everything yep. that they read, they're still um, most of the characters are male, and um, and I have a, an example of a story that um, horrified me a couple of years ago. My my daughter won a competition. Uh, which was encouraging reading locally. And all the kids that um, got to win this competition went along to the, the town library and various events were taking place. And they had a young author there who couldn't have been... He couldn't have been 30 years old. He was a young, groovy guy, well-educated, and he had all these children sitting down around him. And together they made up a story where the children would throw in sort of characters and ideas and locations and he would knit together he was knitting together a story for them and um i was listening through my particular ears um to hear what was being said and he described a story about a farm and the farmer and the farm animals and what horrified me was the farmer had a name and the farmer was a man and the farmer um and all the animals in the farm all had names and they were all male, and the only female characters, there were only two, and neither of them had names. One was the cow, <laughs> of course she didn't have any choice but to be female, and the other was the farmer's wife. Yeah. So you've got all this um, going on around us, um, which makes it such a hard, hard task to cut through and change the way parenting or the balance yeah, of parenting yeah. is perceived um even by our own children diana i really wanted to also just ask you about your survey but i've got emma sitting here mm. who's just got a quick question yeah. for you yeah absolutely do you think shared parental leave is ever going to take off diana <laughs> um, <laughs> i mean i know i've got my own thoughts on it but i wondered what yours were i i think it's as hard as uh, as getting um an equal proportion of men and women on the board of um companies I'm, I'm a believer in um i don't know how you could, like, you couldn't really make it happen with shared parental leave but 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 the equivalent with boards is company countries who are saying we're going to enforce a quota and we're going to say you have to have 30 percent of women on your board i don't know what the equivalent would be for for shared parental leave no i'm um, not sure myself i i don't think i don't think um you know, a hundred years maybe, but it's, it's certainly not something that's going to happen. No, I, I definitely our... can't see it taking off anytime soon. I mm. mean, even when I look at my own family arrangement, my, mm. my husband is the most fantastic hands-on dad, but mm. as I said before, I think if I mention shared parental leave to him, I think he might have a heart attack there and then. Um, mm. I mean, he's, he, he's a doctor, and I, and I think he said to me so many times, it just wouldn't be possible. I've got my career to think about. And I think... Whichever way we look at it, unfortunately, in this day and age, the majority of husbands are still the main breadwinners. And I suppose it is a scary thought because, you know, I'm a lawyer and I'd, I'd, like, to, well, I'd like to think that I was the main breadwinner. But still, in this day and age, it, it's my husband that's carrying the family. It's even, I mean, not even the case that dads take all of their kind of leave 
the two weeks that they get mm. anyway. I mean, I can't count how many women who said, oh my God, I sent it back after a week. And he was no <laughs> use to me at all, you know. He was getting under my feet and, you know, so it's, and, and it's coming back to what, exactly what you said, Diane. It's this domestic role that we jump in and yeah. and take straight away and, and like, that's it. When your eyes meet across a, a disco bar or whatever it is, <laughs> stop right there. Um, no, I think that, and, the, and the domestic negotiation is actually the hardest yeah. of your life yeah. if you try to rebalance it. It is, it's actually yeah. terrifying. It's, it's such a vulnerable, precarious situation um, that is the closest, your closest, well, literally to home, isn't it? So renegotiating or challenging roles is very hard. Um, but Emma, actually, I was, I was talking to a lawyer recently and talking to her about her career, she was in her mid-late 20s and yeah. she was saying she, she wasn't quite sure how, how much further she was going to push it because she'd been married for a few years and thought that they would probably start, start a family. Mm. I said, oh, what, what is it that your husband does? Well, he's, um, he's a physical training instructor. Okay, so is he self-employed? Yes, he is. Right, so he's probably more flexible than you? Well, yes, and you probably earn more than he does. Yes. And your prospects are better than his? Yes. So why are you thinking about your career, your, you taking up, putting your career on hold when it sounds really clear that he's the one that's going to have the flexibility to do the parenting, mm. to do the dominant, have the dominant role in parenting? So, I mean, I was surprised actually when, when you said, Emma, that, that um, you know, as a lawyer, lawyers and doctors... Um, uh, one would imagine that they're fairly equally balanced career-wise. But actually, somebody made a point to me recently, which, which was a very good one, which was the, the more and more maternity leave has been extended, the more impact that has on um, the ability to keep pace um, with your partner's income. So yeah. if, you're, if you're having a year off... Um, That's where this and having it twice, then you know there, there's an opportunity for that for you to slip behind, and then the argument is, well, you don't earn as much as me, so logically. Diana, we we, we really mm. would want to talk to you for the whole evening but we need to move it on now thank you for your wisdom and we've put your survey on our facebook page i really want to flag that up because i think for women working who are doing this juggling act it's a very interesting piece of sort of self-evaluation for them to have a look at and um yeah so i would encourage people to do that but anyway diana parks thank you so much for joining us on the parent show thank you very much okay all right Bye 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 You're listening to The Parent Show and we're in the middle of a uh, passionate discussion about juggling it all, whether you're um, a, a parent, you know, a mum. We are mainly talking about mums doing the parenting and uh, trying to work at the same time. So our final um, guest this evening is Sally Dillian. Sally, hi, are you there? Hi, Ad, yes, good Th- evening. Thank you so much for waiting to come on and I hope you've been able to tune in and, and listen to some of it. I have, um, definitely. Yeah, I think your work fits in really well with all the things we've been talking about. Can you, in a nutshell, tell us what you do, why you're so passionate about it and any other views you have on what you've heard this evening? Okay, yes. Um, So I run a business called Career Mums and we help people get back to work after taking a career break. Um, So listening to um, some of your earlier guests, um, 
a lot of the discussion has been talked about has been uh, about mothers having babies and then going back to work after a maternity leave and doing all the juggling and arranging childcare at that stage and all the difficulties that 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 gives. Um, But for me, I actually took a career break and um, stayed at home for over four years before I decided to then restart my career and just felt lost. I didn't know where to go or whether I would be able to to get another job. And so um, talking it through with other people in a very similar situation to me, I realised that it uh, it was going to be quite a difficult task to actually restart my career yeah. where I'd left off and um, and so our company was um, started on the basis of well there's not really much help out there available um, let's provide them. So what would your daily work include then I mean I know because we've talked but just so people can hear mm-hmm. the kind of service that you're offering for women. Okay so we help um, we help mostly women, mostly mums, yeah. return to work. And we do that through running workshops. And the focus of the workshops is to help people to think through what it is that they want to do, particularly if they've had a, a long career gap, that it's important to think about, you know, sort of what, where, what do they want to be doing in their working life going forward? Um, and then thinking through how, how they're going to get it and how, it, how they're going to make it work for them particularly if mums have been at home for a couple of years, um, maybe they've taken over more, most of the domestic um, workload in, around the home as well as, well as looking after the children. Um, so, who, you know, how's, how's it going to work at a practical level with that family um, so, that the, um, so that the person has got the time and the flexibility to, go, to actually go and do the job that she wants to do? And what we find that we we help people with the most is helping to get the confidence back and okay. refinding that old professional identity that's been almost like parked up for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, and that it's, it's, it's fascinating actually watching um, watching the women that we work with just grow in confidence. They actually you can almost like see their spine unfurling as they um, as they grow in confidence and refine that part of themselves that's perhaps not been used for, for, for a while. And we also do, um, we also run um, very similar one-to-one coaching, um, tackling those issues where people um, would prefer more of a, a, more, more of a personal approach rather than a workshop group. Okay. Group Sally, Sally, what would you say is the biggest barrier to women's re-entry into the workforce or, or, or getting that balance? I think, I think it's, I think it's twofold. One, it's it's the um, it's the particularly where there's been a career break involved. It's helping the the, the individual to refine themselves, have the confidence and the aspiration to, um, to 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 find to not just settle for the first job that comes along, but to actually really ignite their their professional ambitions and see that there are opportunities out there to, to, to meet those, as well as, you know, sort of juggling the children and, um, and the domestic scene as well. And then on, this, on this, the other half, it's actually finding the employers that um, are able to give the flexibility 
and welcome somebody that has had a career break back into the workplace. And do you find that that is it is a problem, like changing employers' views of mums returning to work? Yes, so whilst, whilst we started off wanting to just help people return to work and, and really build confidence, um, our company has expanded to, in, to, to work with employers as well, so to enable employers to actually make the most of this talent pool of women that have taken a, a step back in their career or put their careers on hold whilst they've prioritised having a, a, a young family. Um, so we've started working with local employers in the West Midlands to um, to, ha- to to ha- work with them to develop um, various different ways of welcoming people back into the workplace. So, um, for example, returnship pro- programs um, is something that even was featured in the budget last week um, with um, with the government's announcement that they were giving five million pounds to return to work initiatives. Um, so, yes, and, and also doing things like maternity coaching and um, coaching people, having an, an external coach help people back into work and manage the, manage the, managing the time off, the, the exiting and then the re-entry. I think it's, it's about having some understanding, it's having awareness. I think generally employers want to do, to, you know, to, to really engage with with women and to to engage with um, women that have had a career break but sometimes it's about really understanding how that happens and uh, and really understanding what it's like on both sides of the fence. Sally thank you so much I I feel awful cutting you short but we're about to go off of air but um, thank you for sharing us and you know we've again we've put your your details on our Facebook page so um, carry on the great work you're doing. Thank you very much. Thank you. Just before we finish, one final thought. Tina, what do you take away from tonight's discussion? Anything? It's reassuring to know I'm not alone. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I also thrive on the juggle. It, right. You know, I, I love being a mum and yeah. I love my job. And I, it, although it has its challenges, I wouldn't have it any other way. Thank you. Emma? I just say to all the women out there that understand that you are doing a good job and if you feel that you're struggling do speak up because there are plenty of people out there willing to listen do do make sure you understand your rights and your entitlements do make those flexible working requests consider shared parental leave consider maybe working from home and really just engage in open communication with your employers and look if you do feel that you need that advice then do seek expert advice because there is plenty of it out there Lydia, what about from your point of view? Do you know what's resonated most with me is the phrase domestic domestic negotiation. Because I actually (laughs) realise so much of it comes down to that. And we nearly have a duty to our sons and daughters Mm. to get that right in our children's minds before they even... Go, you know, leave school and, yeah. and get into serious relationships because nothing will change if we're not, you know, kind of developing our children's minds to work in a different way. Yeah. Like I, I have to stop myself. My, my daughter loves to pick up a cloth and clean and I don't want her to do that, but I make my son, you know, empty mm. the dishwasher because, mm. you know, I... I I, you know, I'm in a tiny way. I'm trying to just change the way we yep. see things, but I, I couldn't. I didn't know how to articulate it. But that was that was a fantastic insight from Diana. Yeah. I really, really like yeah. that. What about you, Shirley? 
I think I really like Diana's company's motto, you know, for women about understand what you want to do, why you want to do it, dare to do it, and then once you're in it, thrive. I mean, it's a little bit idealistic, but I, I, I want to take that on board, really, and, you know, I'm in the sort of second phase of my career. So, yeah, good. Understand, dare, and thrive. So thank you to all our contrib- contributors, and we hope that it's been a thought-provoking discussion. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with something else that is yet to be agreed. (laughs) (laughs) A new topic. But uh, you can continue the conversation anytime on our Facebook page, The Parent Show. Thanks for listening. Good night. Neve's solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neve's includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neve's solicitors, your complete legal solution.